Welcome. Thanks for joining us today on the Venture Podcast. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you along your journey. You can have a seat. And as you do so, I I do want to welcome everybody today. This is an exciting day for the life of our church. Um, In in the history that uh, I've been here both times with that, I think going all the way back to the building of this room that you're in right now, I don't think there's been another campaign or another opportunity for us as a church to step out like this. And so we're excited today to launch the Breakthrough Campaign. And it's going to be a little bit different over the next several weeks. And maybe you felt that coming in when you got your workbook. And as Charlie said, put your name in your workbook. Do not lose it. I want everybody's name in it. So if I find it out in the lobby, I know who to hunt down that you lost it with it. Because it's going to serve as a guide. It's going to be a part of it. Because we want to see God help us as we step out. And, And that term breakthrough, we didn't choose it lightly. There was a lot involved in that. And so that breakthrough guide that you have with it, we've been talking about as a church, some of the greatest breakthroughs that happen both spiritually, but also living in the Bay Area, this is the area of breakthrough. In fact, if you stop for a moment and just ask yourself, what is the most significant breakthrough that you have, uh, you think the Bay Area's experienced? I mean, it might be a technological breakthrough. Maybe the iPhone. Might put it up there, how it's changed the world. Facebook, good and bad. It's changed the world with it. Google, I mean, all the different things. I might say Stanford University. Just having Stanford here and the impact on it and the breakthrough with it. One of the most significant breakthroughs that I think has changed the Bay Area is maybe something that doesn't come to mind immediately. But if you look at the impact it's had, I would say the Golden Gate Bridge is one of the greatest breakthroughs. Now, why do I say that? If you go all the way back, if you look at it, we know it well on the map, the Golden Gate Bridge right there with San Francisco, the peninsula and Marin County and all that was there. As the city was growing, you go all the way back to the 1800s. In fact, the first person who came up with the Golden Gate Bridge and building a bridge was actually crazy. I mean, literally crazy. It was a guy named Joshua Norton. He had made a ton of money in the gold rush and he had lost almost all of it by 1859. And he was known as one of the craziest citizens of San Francisco. He declared himself, he put an ad in the newspaper. He declared himself the emperor of San Francisco, walked around in robes. Everybody kind of bowed down to him. They made, I mean, he was this crazy guy. And this crazy guy one day declared for his kingdom, we're going to build a bridge across the bay. And everybody laughed and said, only a crazy man would come up with that. Until the city kept growing and it kept going. And it reached a point in the early 20th century where San Francisco compared to other large cities stopped growing at the rate it should. That disconnect between it and the counties to the north, Marin County with it, that you started hearing some sane voices say, we need to build a bridge. In fact, one of the editors of the San Francisco Chronicle came out and said, hey, I I think we ought to do it. And people kind of laughed. The city engineer immediately spoke up and he said, it'll cost $100 million, which is about 2.7 billion today. And everybody said, that's impossible. 
The Navy was against it because they said, you can block this harbor that's so strategic for the Navy. The railroads were against it. The ferry service of all people were against it. They depended on it. But it was one of those ideas that they kept going forward till a man named Joseph Strauss came forward as an engineer. And he started showing some designs. They said, yeah, even though it's a mile across, even though there's these winds and fog that nobody think could, we could overcome in building it, even though it's so deep, 372 feet deep at the part, they came up with the design and they built the towers and then the suspension. And then when they opened it, it was the longest suspension bridge in the world today. It's at this day, the ninth long, longest. But more than an engineering feat, what I love about it, it took a gap that nobody thought could be crossed and it revolutionized this whole area. It revolutionized the counties, it revolutionized the connection, it revolutionized everything. Because somebody, and it started with a crazy guy, but somebody along the way said, you know what, we have to bridge the gap if we're gonna become what we're supposed to be. And, and I say that because this is a church that has a history of taking daring steps and bridging gaps. I say that you go all the way back to the, when this church moved on this campus. And I've been talking to a lot of you in preparation for this. You were a part of that move. You were a part of the Los Gatos Christian when it was over on Dave's Avenue. And you were looking for a place because you had outgrown it and found this microwave factory. That's what this was, if you didn't know this. A microwave factory that was here. And a church that didn't have enough money but had a lot of faith. Stepped out by faith and moved on to this campus. It's a church that's taken those steps over the years. It's a church that added on so that they could have a worship facility like this. It's two churches between South Valley and Los Gatos Christian that were willing to take a faith step and merge together. It's pastors like Chip Ingram who took a faith step and brought Living on the Edge, his ministry, and made it a base here and led through that. This has been a church that over and over again, there's a history here of people going, yeah, we're willing to take that step. We're willing to bridge that gap. We're willing to step out by faith. And we're in one of those seasons where God's calling us to step out. You know, Charlie said earlier, what you're seeing here, we've been working on the last year. Actually, it's been the last five years. And I know that for a fact, because I remember when the Lundy family was praying about whether God was leading us back to California. We had been called by the elders here and we were in Little Rock, we had planted a church, it was growing, we loved our church there, we have a lot of roots there. And got a phone call and said, would you consider coming back? Chip Ingram believes that he needs to step out, God's calling him on another faith step and focus on what he's doing globally and around the world. And so by faith, Chip took that step. And by the way, over the last five years, it's been unbelievable to impact how God's blessed the world through Chip in that faith step. But when we got that call and we flew out, I mean, we were praying about it as a family because we, we love venture, but we loved our church where we were and felt a responsibility there. You're just kind of weighing church to church. And I remember we came and we met with the elder board in, in, in one of their homes and we were talking, we were praying together. And then finally in the, there reached a point in the conversation where I just said, guys, you, you need to know our hearts. 
We love venture. We're honored you'd consider us to come back in this. But we also feel roots and feel a commitment to the church where we are. And so if it's just church and, and if, if you're asking us to come here and kind of maintain the growth and the strength and all the good things that are here, there's probably a lot of pastors that could do that. And I remember just saying to him, the thing that would draw us here more than any other spot is the unique mission field of the Bay Area. The unique opportunity to what we felt at that time and what I feel at this time, to stump, step to the front line of what God's doing in the world and missionally reach out with it. And, and when I said that, uh, Marv Griffin, one of our elders, as he describes that moment, and it's so appropriate, he, he, he describes it. It was one of those Holy Spirit moments. You just feel it in the room. Because I looked at all the elders' faces and it's like the blood rushed from their face. And then one by one, each of them spoke up. And they said, we, we've been praying throughout this whole process. And God keeps stirring us as an elder board. And the one word he keeps bringing back is mission. How do we go on mission? How do we step out that much more? How do we steward the great thing that God's given us here? We feel a responsibility as an elder board that we need to steward this church but steward it by reaching our neighbors like never before. And I remember one of them said, here's what you need to know whether you come or not, we're gonna do that. And we knew in that moment, oh God, you've called us for that next season. You've called us to be a part of it. You've called us to this unique place to do that. And, and hear me guys, I feel like the Bay Area is one of the most unique spots on the planet. I've told you that before to live out the mission that Jesus Christ has called us to. And so that's what we've been thinking about. That's what we've been strategizing. That's what we've been praying about. That's what we've been working on for these years of how do we continue to build on the strength that is here, but reach. And when we say reach our area, sometimes you can talk about, oh, we're gonna reach the bay. And you, you, we talk about it up there. We just said, you know what? We're gonna just start right here. How do we go five miles out every direction, start reaching, make such a deep impact that it has a ripple effect across the bay? How do we live out those verses? And you go all the way back to what Jesus said. and and. If you track my preaching over the last five years, this is the most quoted verse. Some of you are sick of it. I bring it up all the time. Every passage, I'm always back at Matthew 28. Why? Because it's our mission. When Jesus said, he said, I came and all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I commanded you. And then I love this. He says, I'll be with you always to the end of the age. How long does this mission last? Till he comes back. He says, I'm gonna be with you to the end, so do it to the end, to the end of the age. This is his mission. He combined it with his strategy. This is Jesus' strategy, by the way. He doesn't tell them, you gotta go figure out how to do this. He says, I've already figured it out. I've already empowered you on it. Go live it out. Look what he says. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Not you'll receive power when you come up with the greatest plans in the world. No, I'll give you the power. It's gonna be spiritual power and you will be my witnesses. And he says in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the end of the earth. He says, you're gonna do it to the end of the age and you go to the end of the earth. 
How long do you do it? Till Jesus comes back. Where do you do it? The whole planet. And I love that he says this to his disciples. You know, this is only about what, 40 days after he's resurrected. They're just now figuring out the plan. They're just now, they're barely keeping it together. And Jesus looks at him and he goes, all right, guys, here's the plan. We're going to take Jerusalem, then we're going to Judea, Samaria, and then the rest of the planet. And I'm sure they're looking at him going, Jesus, we're hiding right now in Jerusalem. The thought of taking this city seems like a bridge too far. He goes, no, no, no. Remember, you're going to do it in my power. Just wait till the Holy Spirit comes. You've never experienced anything like it. We got this. And he's called us to that mission to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. One of the things I love about being in this church, it's like the church I grew up in, there's always been a missions passion. There's always been a passion that we're gonna send people out to the end of the earth. But one of the things I love about being in this church in this time in the Bay Area is we're in one of the most unique spots of the planet where the ends of the earth have come to us. They live next door to you. They work in the cubicle right next to you. They're in your kid's school and class. The ends of the earth are here. You look at it, the last US census, San Jose, the racial composition, there's no majority. There's no majority group. Isn't that great to live in a city? with this mix of people in that. There's no majority. Look at the languages. English only household now is less than 40%. A couple of years ago, this was like 41 and a half, almost 42%. That number keeps going down. And then you see the mix of languages that are here. The mix of people that God's brought to our doorstep. The opportunity to reach them like never before. And, and sometimes if you've been around here for a while, maybe you grew up here or, or we just kind of get used to it. Trust me, I've lived other places. I've seen it. There's not many places that have the mix of the ends of the earth of people, frankly, that a lot of times no one else is able to reach that God's brought to us. And I say that even from the countries they are part of. You know, Lee and I, we lived in Bangkok, Thailand for two years. We worked at an international school. Most of the kids there were expat kids. It was all different nationalities within it. They were business people, they were embassy people, they're different parts of it. A lot of times I would have the local missionaries who some had their kids in the school, they would come to me and they go, can you introduce me to the families in the school? And, and I would say to them, you've been here 20 years. I've been here two months. And they go, yeah, but we don't have entree to those kind of business people and officials. We, we have no bridge to get there. We have no connection with that. And, and the school at least provides that. And I realize, oh, we're in a unique place that we're offering something that we can reach people that other people can't reach. I often think about that when I walk my neighborhood. I often think about when I look across the Bay Area. God's brought those people here. What a unique opportunity to be able to live out the mission that goes to the end of the age to reach the people at the ends of the earth because they're right here on our doorstep. Now, that's great, but there's one problem and maybe you're feeling it. It's great that the ends of the earth have come to the bay. It's hard that they're not necessarily interested in church, are they? In fact, I've shown you this model before. I'll, I'll bring it up again. 
there's been a movement and culture with that. And, you know, I've taught it before and it's interesting. Uh, a few months ago, I read an article by Tim Keller and Tim Keller, the pastor in New York City, he's a brilliant missiologist. He really thinks through culture in ways like few other people. And the last article that he wrote before he died of pancreatic cancer, it was entitled Lemonade on the Front Porch. You go, that's a strange article. What he's talking about is this analysis of what's happened, what's happened in our country. He points back to what happened in Europe 100 years ago, what's happened in our country in the last 30 years. That up until that time, the culture used to be, you might go 30 different areas, it's even that. The culture was really close to the church in a lot of ways. There was still a Judeo-Christian ethic for the most part. People define life the same way. They define marriage the same way. And so getting people from the general culture into the church, as Keller would describe it, they were right on our front porch already. It wasn't that big of a step. But in the last 30 years, man, the culture's pulled back. They don't define life the same way we do. They don't see life. And in fact, especially if you live in a place like the Bay Area, people are coming from all over the world with, with different worldviews, different mindsets with it. And that gap between church and culture is further than it's ever been. And as you look at that, we can kind of go, man, how do we respond as a church? Now, there's two extremes we're committed to avoiding as a church when I say that. One extreme, churches have looked at this and they said, hey, as the culture moves, we need to move with it. We need to become like it. And so then they start giving up on core doctrine and core definitions and core beliefs in an effort to be like the culture. And guys, the day you do that, you've lost the gospel. Hear me, and I wanna make sure I'm clear because as we're talking about aggressively going on mission, we are just as committed to the gospel as Jesus Christ gave it through his word as ever before. It doesn't matter where the culture goes, we're not gonna drift with it because we're committed to what Christ has given us in his word. So we're committed to preaching through the gospel, we're committed to discipleship here, we're committed to preaching through books of the Bible with that. In fact, I'm working right now, I'm thinking about in January, maybe doing a series through the book of Revelation. Um, the Bama got everybody stirred up with it. I thought it might be good to just teach through what, what the book says. So we're committed to that as a church. So we're not gonna do that extreme. Here's the second extreme though. Second extreme is churches look at the big bad culture out here and they build a fortress around it. And they go, we're gonna just take care of ours and we're gonna keep our head down and we're gonna train our kids and hope that we can survive in this big bad world. And the moment you do that, you've lost the mission. I mean, think about it. Jesus got his band when they were still just a few of them. And he says, we're going to take the planet. You guys don't have to be scared of anything. And, and we don't have to be scared as well. So as we look at it, you go, okay, if the culture's here and we're here, how do you solve this gap? Look what Keller says in his article. A couple of quotes I want you to see. He says, there's only one solution. The churches in the United States cannot rely on the culture any longer to constitute a church porch. Congregations must build their own church porches where they can serve lemonade to outsiders who are not yet ready to come all the way into the house, but where they can be prepared to do so. So what he's describing is you've got a lot of people there far away. They're not ready to come into a church service yet. And if we don't meet them with a front porch, if we don't meet them someplace where they can connect, are we ever gonna bridge that gap? 
How do you do that? What does that look like? He says, we use this metaphor to describe a place where people are exposed to Christianity in both an informative and positive way outside of ordinary church services and instruction. In this space, non-believers feel themselves not to be intruders or tolerated onlookers or probationers, but loved and fully accepted ratified participants. So go back to this. What he's describing here is how do you build porches? How do you bridge the gap? How do you create something here for people who are not yet ready to come all the way into church? And, and you know that, you experience. I think you guys have been ahead of pastors on that. I think for too often we've been operating under a model that the world still looks like this. And so we look at you and we go, hey, we're gonna go on mission. If you could just get everybody in church, just get them into church. And you're looking at me going, uh, that's harder than you think, pastor they're starting a lot further away than you realize. So what we wanna come back as a church and, and we go, okay, we're gonna still focus on being a church that disciples and teaches the word. But at the same time, how do we build a bridge across a gap that frankly looks pretty far and it may feel kind of crazy and impossible in ways, but if we don't, we're not gonna reach people. We're not gonna provide that place where they can start participating before they believe and belong. That's the mission that we're on. In fact, as you look through your guide, you'll see there's several initiatives and I'm gonna not go through all of them this week. I'm only gonna look at the first initiative this week. Each of them are designed of how do we build that bridge? How do we cross that gap? How do we start with a place? Now, part of it we've been doing. We've been doing it for the last couple of years. That's why this weekend, if you wanna know why we have fall festival, it's not because we thought you as church people needed more fun things to do. We love your kids, but you can take care of your kids. I'm gonna tell you the one reason we have fall festival, the one reason we do winter wonderland, the one reason we invest in that, it helps people who are way out here take one step into that gap. And we've seen it. Yeah, we, we, we're seeing it now. The last event we did, it doubled in attendance and 70% of the people had never been a part of venture. We're seeing them take a step into that, but we look at it and we go, okay, how do we invest in a way that we can give some jet fuel? How do we invest and build a bridge that has some permanency to it? Let me give you the first of those initiatives that we're gonna do on this campus by God's grace. Here's the first one. We wanna build the venture event complex. And this is a place for the community to participate in life-giving events. Those events we're doing now, how do we have a place for even more of that? What is it? The VEC will be a region-leading sports and family-focused event complex with fields, court, indoor gym, and facilities to support those large events. And the two sides of it are the Venture Run Sports League and the Venture Hosted Free Family Fun Events. So, so the two things that we wanna see happen there, all of those festivals, things, we can have a place that we can host that and run those so much easier, so much more effectively with it. While at the same time, as we've surveyed, we've talked to people and you see it here, one of the key things that people who might not come into a church yet, they will engage in a sports league. They will sign their kids up. There is a connection that you can do in those kind of spaces like few other places. To do that, and all this is in your guide, by the way. So if you're sitting here going, man, I wanna get some with it. To do this, we're gonna need the funds to transform Kringfield into a turf field for year-round roost. 
Kring Field, that's the, the, the field we have in the back. It's baseball and sports field with it. Um, we're thankful to have it. You'd be surprised how often we can't use it. Does it drain well? If you have community events on it every day with it, a turf field suddenly gives us day in, day out use and the connection with it. On top of that, funds for a gym with an infrastructure for both sports and large event. Now this one's about a million and a half to two million. This is the biggest ticket item by far in this whole campaign is 20 million. And give or take, we're working with designers and engineers and you'll see where we, where we wanna place it with that in order to be able to, to effectively do this. But, but this is that thing when we go, oh, man, if we're gonna build that bridge, we're stepping out in it. And then to have people who can run those leagues and do that in a way that we're not just providing sports to provide sports. We're not just providing festivals to provide festivals. We're providing it because we're creating a bridge where people are taking a step toward Jesus Christ. And so you have to be strategic about that because you can kind of look up and go, man, we've provided sports for everybody, but nobody's closer to Jesus. That's not our goal at all. To do that, let me show you some pictures in it. This is where we'd like to place it. You, you see, the, this is our current Kring field with it and the gate that comes in here. And then we would want, we want to put that gym up into the hillside as much as possible. Now, again, we're working with engineers and all that's involved with it. But if, as you look at that, it's, we feel like the best, most effective use of space. It has the most field with it. Uh, you can have outdoor amphitheater, some other parts with it. I have been shocked almost every meeting that I've met with someone, someone's asked for a pickleball court somewhere. Yeah, I, I, I don't know about that. I'm just uh, telling you with that. And so then as you look at this, then it allows, coming on this side, you can kind of see, we can put in concessions, we can put in bathrooms, we can put in storage, all the stuff that we need. When we do these festivals like this weekend, we'll bring in bathrooms. We'll have to bring in, we'll have all of that built in. It allows us to have a place to do that, that you, you can turn it, you can move it, and you can offer that much more to the community with it. And so you can see on this, this, this concept with it. Now, as you look at it though, and, and hear me, cause you know, it'd be great to have that facility. It'd be great to have the programs. Here's the key though. How do we help you? Cause we're not building these porches just so that we help people randomly get there. We're building these bridges. We're building a porch. We're building these things so that you can go on mission, that you can connect life to life with someone. I'll give you just an idea of what that could look like if you're watching this video. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. feeling? Good, Coach. You good? What's going on out there? Nothing, Coach. Nothing's going on. 
You're okay? Coach, I told you I'm, I'm good. Okay. I know you're working hard out there, but I can tell something's not right. But you know you can talk to me. I mean, what's up? I'm sorry, I, I can't do this right now. Everything, everything I got going on right now, I just... I get it. Believe me. Nah, coach. Like, you don't get it, man. I'm trying to tell you, like, I'm feeling that everything right now. I know it's tough what you're going through, but you are more, more than the score that you're trying to get to. At home, school, here. Listen, you were created with infinite dignity, value, and worth. Don't let this world take that from you. I believe in you. I, I, I really do. So come on, man. All right, all right, coach. You don't know me like that. Oh, I don't, don't know, know you? <laughs> oh, no, I know you. And I know that you got this. Can we play? All right, I got you. Show me a shot. Show me a bucket or something. Ball. experience for the first time how Jesus uplifts, invigorates, and motivates those who live in his orbit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love that picture of it. Um, I'm not, not of the gym. I'm talking of the personal connection. Because in my mind, I go, how many thousands of those in the years to come? How many opportunities, how many people like that young man who honestly probably isn't on our campus other than a place and a connection like that, that provides a, a member of venture, a coach, someone to speak into his life, to begin that journey with them as they're bridging to coming to know Jesus Christ. Now we, we imagine that here's the good news. We, we have people in this body, you're doing that now. Everything about this is just add jet fuel to what you're already doing. And so we don't do this because we go, oh man, we got to do this to stimulate. We do this because we want to add that fuel to it. We want to give that context for it. In fact, I want you to meet one of our venture members, Lewis. I want you to hear how God's using him right now to live this out. Let's watch this together. I'm a baseball player, um, 19 years old. I've been playing for probably 16 years, I'd say, ever since I could walk. I was playing catch with my dad. I grew up uh, in a Christian household. My parents took me to church, you know, even when I didn't really want to go. It wasn't until actually last year, my freshman year of college, I felt this sort of absence of God, and I was like, I was struggling with baseball, with school. Um, with mental health issues. I was truly living for myself and I wasn't truly living for the Lord and the way I would speak to my teammates, the way I was speaking to my friends, it wasn't 
life bringing, it wasn't how Christ would have spoken. And that's where everything kind of flipped and switched for me. And like, I kind of felt the weight of that sin and the weight of what I've done in my past, where I was like, okay, like now it's time for God to take over. I started going to venture like a year ago. And I kind of just felt when I was there, I was like, this is my home, you know, this is where God wants me. When you really truly seek out to find community, you'll find it like immediately. Like all you have to do is walk out the church doors on a Sunday and walk to someone and say, hey, I need a, I need a group, a small group. Chuck, the college leader has really helped me and kind of helped disciple me and give wisdom to me like with my, when I had my Bible study. Um, and it's just cool to, to know that there are people there that are truly like there to love the Lord and love and pour out into you. Many of my friends came to college group with me. They've come to really love it, getting closer to God, getting into the Word, and going deep with your friends and kind of being vulnerable. So often we're just searching for acceptance, we're searching for other people's approval instead of searching for God's approval. So if I mess up in school, mess up on the baseball field, mess up in life, I know that regardless, there's no approval that man could give me that, that God can't give me. So holding on to that promise gives me so much more confidence to share the Word, share with my friends, and just start Bible studies because I know that once people do experience the Holy Spirit and Jesus and experience the love of Christ, they can never go back to their old ways. I was brand new to my team, probably three weeks into knowing them, and I just went up to them individually and I was like, hey, like I'm gonna have a Bible study tomorrow and I'd love for you to come. And I got some pushback, like, no, I'll never go to that. And the first time we had a Bible study, it was probably five or six guys. It was so cool because the guys that were saying no, the guys were saying, I'll never come, they started coming. It's just so cool to see how God works when you're just obedient and you say yes. That's just what I continue to do, just continue to say yes and just go where He's called me to. One friend specifically, he drank a lot, you know, partied a lot. When he came to me and wanted to come to Bible study, all my teammates were like, no way this guy's going to Bible study because it was so out of character for him. He had called me and we, we, we talked a lot. We hung out a lot, you know. I, I poured, tried to pour out specifically into him. He had told me like, hey, Louie, like I'm, I'm done drinking, you know, like I'm done partying, I'm done with girls and like I truly just want to focus on God. This generation has so much promise and I've seen it and it's all about just getting a touch of the Spirit and it's all about just feeling that love. I for sure think uh, sports complex or things on that field, just events, is so helpful and so beneficial because it gets people to church and it gets them excited about going to church. The church is not a building, the church is the people, right? The church is the people in the building that are all seeking after the same thing and going out and making disciples. For me, if in my ministry and kind of here uh, with my Bible study group, it'd be so cool if I could be like, hey guys, let's Let's go up to my church, let's go play some basketball, let's go play soccer, let's go even hit a little bit, you know, some wiffle ball. I feel like that'd just be so cool because they, they could be like, is this the church you go to? And I'll be like, yeah, you want to come on Sunday? You know, it'll be fun. You know, we get lunch after. You know, it's all about community. Recently, God's been putting on my heart to start tithing, you know, because that's one of the reasons why I got a job. I'm like, I want to start giving money to the church, you know, because that's what God calls me to do. And like, I want to live it out. Every, everything that Jesus would have done, I want to do that same thing. That's one of the reasons why I got my first job, you know, and like I'm getting my first paycheck actually this Sunday, you know, so I'm excited about that and like excited about starting to give money to the church. It's just so cool to be able to have money to give to my Bible study, have money to give to the church, to then give it back to the people who are in leadership, the people who are pastoring people, the people who are mentoring people, to just show that they care, to show that the church is there for them. Tithing and generosity is super important. Everyone gets kind of puckered a little bit about money and giving money and it's like 
people get so like caught up in like, oh, tithing, like how much should I give? How much, like, I don't know if I should tithe. And it's like, it's like the money is going to the right place. You just have to trust that when you put the money in, like God's gonna use it. Jesus calls us to store up treasures in heaven. Those people in heaven are gonna be coming up to us and saying thank you. And they're gonna be like, I didn't even know you. And you're, they're gonna be like, no, you, you helped give money to this program. And that money helped me be here in heaven. I'm Louis Suleika, and I want breakthrough for my generation. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know about you. Every time I watch that, it fires me up. Not just what he's saying, but just seeing his life. I saw Louis this week. He comes to Better Man early Thursday mornings, and I told him, you're up. You're on this week, and he, he's with it. But uh, I love the way he just, he's stepping out. He's doing that. He's building those bridges. How do we come alongside and equip and give him that opportunity? I also love just, and on his own, he moved in that. He had that one line. I don't know if you heard it. He goes, yeah, anytime you start talking about money, people pucker up. And we do. And, and there's a part of it. And we recognize with this campaign, anytime you go into a campaign, there's a part of it that we go, oh man, how are we going to approach this? And as an elder board, we've been praying through it. We've been praying through, how, how do we do this campaign? Because maybe you've been part of other campaigns. I've, I've been a part of some. And there's some where, where the whole focus on the campaign can just be about the money and you have the total. And a, we call it the thermometer campaign. You know, and just as long as that thermometer keeps going up, everybody's happy. And we just made a commitment as an elder board. We, we said, we want this to be a thermostat campaign. And here's what we mean with that. You go, Tim, you don't want to see God. I, I, obviously, we want to see God raise money. But, but he's not resource limited. I mean, he tells us he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I don't think money's ever been an issue for God. We struggle with it at times, not for him. And so we just made a commitment. We said, you know what, God, we want you to move in people's hearts. And so we're not going to come to everybody. It's like, okay, divide it up, do your fair share. I, I don't all that. Here's what we're going to ask you to do. Listen to God during this. And we will walk you through this. And all of us, how do we steward what God's given us? You know, that, that verse when he says, when someone has been given much, much will be required in return. When someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. That's the history of this church, of people stepping out by faith, of going, how do we steward what God's given us? That's why we're in this room right now, by the way, guys, because somebody before us said, you know what, I'll sacrifice for the sake of ministry that will outlive me in it. You know, I picked up a copy of uh, Marvin Rickard's book. If you're new, you may not know who Marvin Rickard was the pastor that led when uh, Los Gatos Christian moved on this campus. And even after they moved here, and it was a pretty difficult move. People weren't thrilled about it at a time. And, and as a church and growing church, they felt the need. They said, God, we, we, we would want to expand and do any, even more on this campus. But they were landlocked. And, and so they went and met with Charles Kring. Charles Kring was not a member of the church. He was a developer here, here in Almaden. Um, he owned the land all around here. And when uh, Marvin and one of the elders went to meet with him, right when they sat down, Marvin felt like that God said to him, hey, be bold. And so Mr. Kring said, hey, how can I help you? And Marvin looked at him and said, you know, as a church, we'd like you to give us 10 acres of land. It was bold. The elder kind of looked at him like, what are you doing? And Mr. Kring said, uh, well, I'll, I'll have to 
talk to my wife about that. She's out of the country uh, to, to do anything of that scale. And as Marvin describes it over the next couple of years, they kept praying as a church. And Mr. Kring would come, he was a developer, and he'd say, hey, what if you guys bought this piece of property and then I gave you that and we could do a switch and tax benefit and other parts. And all of them were really good proposals. There's only one problem. The church had no money to do any of it. And finally, after two years, they got this letter in the mail. It said, dear Reverend Rickard, I've been made aware of your need of additional land for your church. It's my intent to make a gift of you to you of 15 acres of land fronting Hicks Road and adjoining your property. The, the land that we have back there, the parking lots we have there, the reason it's called Kringfield, <laughs> that letter. Because God moved in the generosity. What I love though is if you read a little bit, and this book's 45 years ago, when they wrote a gift of 15 acres of land, enough for a soccer field or a softball diamond, parking, a gym, we can see it in our mind's eye. Thousands of people involved in sporting events and come into our campus. Now, this was a dream. They've tried to see that dream. They ran into some opposition in it that we're praying and start praying right now with us that God would continue to move, that we could see that dream come reality. But for me, when I read that story, I think to whom much is given, part of what I've been given as a pastor is a legacy of pastors, a legacy of people, a legacy of a church of people who stepped out in faith in the past. And I think we're called to step out in this time. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. I'm gonna ask you to make a commitment today. And you go, Tim, I haven't heard enough about this campaign to make a commitment yet. Not a commitment to what you'd give, not a commitment to anything. Remember, we're, we're not focused. We want to see God move in our hearts first and foremost. And I'm asking everybody to commit, first of all, a personal commitment. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to be here every week. And, and whether it's in this room or for here, for some of you, you're watching me online. But every week, be a part of this. This is not one of those random times. I want you to work through your breakthrough guide. As you look through this guide, it's laid out over six weeks. There's exercises in here. There's devotion times. There's interaction with God's word. It's more than just, oh, a place I can put a few sermon notes. This would be a great thing to put right next to your devotional, right next to your prayer time. Work through that. And everybody make this, this has been a lot of work over the last years we've been praying through. God, what would you call us to do in it? And then as you do that as well, I want you to get in a group and process together. As life groups, there's life group questions. If you're not in a life group, get a few people. This isn't something to do alone. This is one of those times when you step out like this that we call everybody to process. Now hear me, I am asking every person who considers this your church home. If you're a partner, you're part of Venture. This is your church. I'm asking you to make this commitment. And I know some of you, you're brand new. Maybe this is your first Sunday. You go, good grief, I came in. <laughs> I can't think of a better time to join a church, honestly. Because you get it on the ground floor where we're going. And there's some of you here, and I'll just be honest. Some of you, you've, kind of been, you've been here for a season. And some, you came out of maybe a hard context. You came out of weariness. 
and there was a season to kind of sit and soak. And I've talked to somebody, I'm, I'm thankful that ventures that place. We always welcome people to do that. Sometimes you need that for a season. But I also know some people it goes from being a season to a lifestyle. Where venture is a place that you partake, but you've not made it your church and engage. And you come to times in the life of a church where you have to step out and I'm calling you to step out. If this is your church, go on this journey with us. We've created a culture in Christianity in the United States that has become a spectator culture. The world is not changed by spectators. Bridges are not built by spectators. It's people that step out by faith. And I'm calling you to join us in that. Secondly, I'm calling you to pray with us. Jesus said, I'll unleash power through you when, when the Holy Spirit comes. You know when the Holy Spirit moves? It's when God's people pray. And so I'm asking you to join us. Pray for this every day. Pray for breakthrough. Pray for breakthrough in your life. Pray for breakthrough in our community. Pray for people that you, you know that need to know Jesus. There's exercises in here for you to identify who are the people that need to be on your prayer list. Who are the people you're thinking about? In fact, you got a card, sign up for our 24 hour prayer event. In a couple of weeks, we're gonna do a 24 hour prayer event. We're asking everybody in the church for sign up for at least one 15 minute slot. And then during that 15 minutes, during the 24 hours, you're, we'll send you some requests. You can be praying about it. We'll have open Zoom rooms. We need some of you troopers to sign up during the middle of the night. And, but we're gonna pray all 24 hours and then we're gonna end it the next morning on Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. We'll be in here for a worship time and then we're gonna do a prayer walk where we just walk all over this campus. We walk to all these places that we wanna see God move and we're gonna pray over that together. Join us in prayer. And then the final part of it, personal breakthrough. Where do you wanna see God break through in your life? Where, where is it that you're even scared to tell him or tell anyone that you need to step out by faith? In fact, we're, we're gonna close by actually putting this in action. Turn in your books right now to page 14. Turn in your books to page 14. Everybody turn there. And then there's a place, you see that card that says, a place I need breakthrough. That is perforated. Let's all tear it off right now. Come on, I wanna hear it. If you don't hear the neighbor next to you, poke them. Remember, we're gonna do this. We're doing this together. We're not spectators. And then I, I want you to grab one of the pins in front of you. And you can put your name on it or not. Would you write down where you wanna see breakthrough in your life? You can look at this, some of the things there. Some of you, I need God to trust God more as my provider. I want this person to fall in love with God. They don't right now. I'm struggling with anxiety. I need direction for my life. I want to be more aligned. Our marriage needs help. I want to hear God's voice. I need peace. These are, it can be as simple as a statement like that. And if you want to put your name on it, put it there. We're going to collect these because when I said we're committed to prayer, we're going to pray over these. We're going to pray for you. We're praying as a staff. We're praying as prayer teams. We, when we say breakthrough, we believe God actually shows up and breaks through through prayer. But sometimes it takes a step of faith to actually admit what you wanna see God do.
And I'm asking you to write that down right now. What do you need in your life right now? And we'll take a moment and just let you write that. And then we'll close out with some worship. But just ask God. And and it probably is going to be the first thing that comes to mind. So don't overthink it. But step out and actually write it. Instead of just thinking about it. So that we can have the privilege of praying for it. Whether you put your name or not, God knows who you are. And it will be prayed for by this church body. Let me pray for you now. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you're a God who has moved in the past in ways beyond our expectation. I thank you that we pull on to a campus that has all of this land because you moved in the past through bold faith and through a sacrificial gift. Lord, I thank you that we are in a church full of people who know your word, who love you because of pastors, because of servants, because of teachers, because those who've invested in the past. Lord, I thank you for Lewis and so many like him who are stepping out right now to reach people who don't know you. Lord, we lift this campaign before you. We lift every step. We lift over the next six weeks up. We just pray, would you speak to us? Would you move in our hearts? Would you do something beyond our expectation as we walk through this together? And we pray this in Christ's name, amen. We hope today's message encouraged you in your journey of faith. To keep up with the latest messages and what's happening, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and visit venture.cc.